Get Haunted! With your host, Matt Strong and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to episode 100. Wow. 100. I can't believe this. Is this what it feels like when you turn 100 years old and you're just like, life was such a waste of time? What? I simultaneously feel like this is a great accomplishment and like it's sad. <laughs> Yeah! Congratulations on your 100th episode of Let's Get Haunted. Uh. Y'all really still out here putting the work in. Okay. Two real ass bitches in your grind 24-7. Yeah! Stand true with your day ones. 100th episode on the books. We got robbed by the shorty awards. Those bitches are crooks. He's such an situation. I ain't starting drama. That shit already started. What? Y'all dead to us. Now we call you dearly departed. I was rooting for you. We're all rooting for you. Shanties are going legit. Got a new office and shit. Fakers all started and quit. Haters all throwing a dick. Hoes never gave up. Hoes never stopped trying. Even when a bitch was pregnant or a bitch was dying. I'm not a victim. I broke from it and I learned. Yeah. If anyone got shit to say, come at me, bro. No, I don't give a fuck anymore. Positive hauntings only, though. Okay. Shout out to the Discord. Shout out to the studio we can't afford. Shout out to the subreddit. Shout out to all the haters who regret it. Stay mad. Haunty's been out here since before Britney got freed. Shout out Amber Overly. Yeah, well, that's how you should feel, right? Every right. time you have a birthday, every time you have anything of note happening in your right. life, it should be a little bit sad, right? Bittersweet. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on with you lately? You keep telling me that you have something to tell me, but I'm not allowed to hear it until we're recording the podcast. So what is it? Okay. Well, first of all, Natalia and I are recording in an office yeah. that I work in sometimes. It's like a literal, like, office, guys. Like, you, you know, like, fluorescent lights and, like, the ceiling is, like, flat with, like, those tiles that give you asbestos or something? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, this place for sure has asbestos. <laughs> if I had to guess, I would say it was probably made out of asbestos. It's a pretty old building. Natalia and I were talking because she was like, this straight up looks like a place you would just get murdered in. Yes. I was thinking about this because I went to the bathroom and I was like, what is it about like an empty office or like an empty school at night? Like the kind of place where the bathroom is dolls, you know? Right. Like, what is it about that that just feels like you're going to die there? And I thought about it and I was like, I think it's because you know that it's so quiet here and it's so remote, like at an empty school or an empty office that even if you heard someone else like come in, there's nothing you could do. Like even if you screamed as loud as you could, right? There's no, there's no nothing. one around, no right. one around like, to hear it. If you're just in the bathroom with your pants down and you hear the front door open, you're right. just like, okay, I'm about to die. That's like, exactly okay. This, so this is a perfect segue. Let me tell you what happened to me last night. What? So last night I was in this exact spot that you see me in currently. I'm currently sitting at a conference room table with a laptop in front of me. Mm -hmm. I want to just paint this picture. So I was here last night around 9 p.m. and I was finishing up some bullshit paperwork and then i like went out to use the bathroom just like you're talking about right. and as i'm walking back to this very room that we are currently in i suddenly hear the doorbell ring because there is a doorbell at the front of this office it's 9 p.m I'm the only car in the parking what lot. What did you do? I'm the only person here. Is it like a doorbell that has a camera on it? No, there's no camera. And it's just ringing. So I hear it and I almost shit myself. <laughs> I'm walking over this direction and I'm like, no, it can't be. Is the door be. locked? Yes, thank God. But then I'm like 
you know, rethink. I'm like, did I really lock it when I came in? Did I remember right. to lock it? And it just, and then it goes off again. <gasps> and then it goes off again. And someone is straight up laying on the doorbell. Well, did you just, go see who it was? Or no, no because know? if it's 9 p.m., Anyone who's ringing the doorbell that many times in a row clearly doesn't have like the number of someone who would be in this office and therefore they don't belong here and therefore they're sketch, right? Well, that's what I was thinking of because there it's it's an office building, right? So there's a bunch of different companies in here, but also it's really small. So everybody knows each other mm-hmm. and everyone has each other's numbers. So I know that if it's someone I know, they would just call or text me because they'd recognize my truck. So I'm thinking... It's definitely not someone I know, right. and it's definitely not someone that's supposed to be here. Stranger danger. Stranger danger. So I like come back in here and I turn off all the lights because there's a, windows everywhere. So if they were walking around, they could see me if right. I had the lights on. And I called my brother and I was like, hey, so I'm trying to leave, but there's someone just ringing the doorbell over and over again. And he was like, all right, I'll be right there. Did he come kill him? So he drove over here. And called me and was like, hey, I'm outside. There's just some random dude claiming he needs his vehicle jumped, but there is no vehicle. <gasps> Did he just kill him right there? Uh, he my was br- like, you're lying. <laughs> <Kill you." laughs> no, my brother. Alyssa's brother's no nonsense at all, he- guys. This guy, yeah. I, I recently saw him at a mutual friend's wedding and he was wearing a bolo tie. So yeah. like, that's, that's all you need to know. Okay? He doesn't give a single fuck. And so I don't know exactly what he said. But when I went outside, my brother was just standing there. And he's my brother is big. He's like a very yeah. tall man. And he just had his arms crossed. And he was like, the guy's gone. Like, I just told him I'd come back tomorrow and jump him. Yeah, so. and jump him, like kill him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah, not jump scary. his car. Yeah. That, good for you, though, for thinking, you know, like to, to call your brother and figure that out. Because you don't want to be like the beginning of a scary movie. No. And I was thinking, too, I was like, maybe I should go to the front and see who it is. And then I was like, what am I going to do? It's going right. to be a situation. I'm so awkward. It's going to be a situation where that's like someone pretending to be injured and they're yeah. like, please let me in. And what I'm going to be the idiot that like lets them in and then gets murdered. Right. I'm so much more likely to help an injured possum than I am a person. Like if a person has like their arm like <laughs> dislocated walking around, I'm like, that's a demon. And yeah. I just like, hit them and drive <laughs> off. Well, you know, we've got our strengths and weaknesses. Your weakness is injured possums and mine is feeling guilty about anything. (laughs) Wow, that's a great story. Thank you. That's that's my personal haunting. And I was about to cry and shit my pants (laughs) as it was happening. Do you have any personal hauntings you'd like to share? Uh, This story is kind of personal haunting. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say about this story. Mm Story is really fucked up that I'm about to tell you for many reasons, but it's not my fault. Okay. (laughs) Because I can't remember who it was. If you're the person who recommended that I do this topic, then you can just go ahead and like shout us out or something and be like, it was I. But basically this person's like, you should cover this. Like it's like really weird or something. And then I was like, okay. And I started researching it. And by the time I got like halfway through, I was like, this story is too fucked up to talk about <laughs> on our podcast. But I was already like halfway through. Right. You've already invested so many hours yeah. of research and writing. Yeah. So that's like what I'm going to say about it is that like I had to learn about this. So you guys have to learn about this too. Okay. Well, I'm sure I'll have nightmares tonight. So please, whenever you're ready. All right. <clears throat> this story lies at the intersection of reality and fantasy. What is real and what is not real? 
Is the world what we perceive it to be, or is there universal truth? The truth is that the reality of a situation just might be stranger than fiction. Today's episode will discuss many difficult themes, mental health crisis, sexual assault, religious conformity, patriarchal dissidence, and exploitation of the mentally ill. Despite the tragic circumstances and the controversial nature of these themes, I will attempt to provide an entertaining and concise summary of events. In light of this podcast production being in the service of entertainment, I ask that the listeners keep in mind that this episode is just that, entertainment. There is not enough time in this episode to illuminate the injustices in this world, and I encourage listeners to do their own research on any themes that interest or outrage them. That said, our story today takes us to Utah. Whoa, Utah. I was not expecting that. What did you think I was going to say? I don't know. Like Transylvania? I don't know. Like something spicier. Utah to me is just the land of the Mormons and their... I mean, which I guess could be scary. That's great that you brought that up today because today you're going to hear the spiciest Mormon story you've ever heard. Oh, shit. Yes. Today, our story takes us to Brigham Young University in the 1970s of Utah. Do you know what Brigham Young University is, Alyssa? Yes. If you're ever watching professional football... (laughs) <laughs> and they start to say what college they went to and what their name is. Mm-hmm. Key and Peel has a really good sketch. And it'll be like, you know, different names and different universities. And then all of a sudden it'll be like, Ben Smith, BYU. <laughs> and it's just the gooberiest looking man you've ever seen in your life. Right. So those of you guys who don't live in the U.S. or they don't know what Brigham Young University is, it's a Mormon university in Utah. And for those of you guys who don't understand the stereotypes and nuances of America, Utah is like the the white Mormon state of the entire country. And the rest of the country is not Mormon. So right. we think Utah is very different than the rest of the country, I would say. Yeah, it just seems to have been, and maybe you'll get into it because I don't know the background, but right. it seems like there was a mass exodus of Mormon people a very long time ago, and they decided to settle in that region and just kind of never left. Yeah, honestly, I don't know shit about Mormonism, <laughs> but I actually, during the pandemic, went to Utah because it's right next to California, like two times just to like get out of LA and be able to like go in nature and like, you know, like ride a fucking bike and shit. While I was there in Utah, I learned a lot about Mormons. And I said, apparently, a handful of really offensive shit. (laughs) And um, do you guys want to kind of hear about that? Yeah. So I did no research on Utah. You know, when you like get to a place, you know, you arrive in like a new country and you're in the cab coming from the airport and you just like ask a bunch of questions. Yeah, yeah. Because you're just like, you're forced to be my tour guide, Uber right. driver, you know? Yeah. How long have you lived here? Explain to me what it's like. Right. Yeah. So I was asking like all those normal questions because the drive to where we were staying was like probably 45 minutes. So we flew into Salt Lake. I'm in this like 45 minute long car ride with this dude. So 
So I asked him about the Dinosaur Museum because I was like, what do we do here in Salt Lake? You know, like I know the Olympics were here, but it's not wintertime. And like, is there like dinosaurs museums? And the driver was like, what? And I was like, yeah, aren't like the, all the dinosaurs found in Utah? I feel like whenever you read a newspaper article or something, it's like new fucking Triceraxopolis. Yeah, like a, a ancient fossil. Discovered in yeah. like in Salt Lake, Utah or something like that. And the driver still like doesn't know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not Utah. And I was like, aren't the dinosaurs here in Utah? And he was just like still like didn't know what I was talking about. And I was like, you live here, right? And then he like just never knew what I was talking about. And then I started thinking about about it and I was like oh I'm not sure this I still don't know because I didn't research it but I think the Mormons don't believe in like the dinosaurs the same way that like evolution teaches right right I think that transcends even to certain sects of Christianity right that like they think that dinosaur bones were put here to test our faith something like because that. evolution isn't real and we started we didn't evolve from you know, monkeys, God just made man, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think that would make sense. And obviously it's a spectrum because I tried to fucking Google what Mormons believe. And let me tell you, it is fucking difficult to find out what they believe. I don't know why. It's just like that. Right. So I found like a bunch of Reddit posts from people who like left the Mormon church. But then I also found some by people who like consider themselves, um, you know, like more, I don't know, like modern or something. And they were right. saying that most educated Mormons reject the young earth hypothesis and they like believe in science and so science contradicts that and whatever so they contradict it so it's basically it's a spectrum is what i'm saying there's some mormons who believe some stuff and there's some who don't i'm sure anyways the second offensive thing that happened was <laughs> we went on a horseback riding tour it was like me and my fiance and there was another couple on the tour and so it's like four people riding horses right right and i'm just trying to make small talk right like there, there's these two super young people they said they were like 19 and 20 and they had just gotten married three days oh before. no so i was like oh that's you know small talk like that's so exciting like tell me about your wedding da, 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 da. like how did you meet because i was trying to relate to them you know yeah and so they were talking about their wedding and how it was like sweet and you know romantic and she was telling me about her dress and everything and i was like oh that's so cool and i was like yeah we're engaged but we haven't even started planning a wedding yet because it's just you know like hard right now with covid and they were like yeah you know and so they were like well we had to get married really soon because we wanted to have a baby and I was like, oh, that's so sweet. You know, like we just had a baby still again, trying to relate to them because right. I have a disease where I want to be liked by people. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, oh, that's so cool. And so then they joked that like all the LDS people were getting married the same weekend as them so that they had to get married at a place where there were two other weddings already going on. And I was like, LDS? Is that Mormon? Because I, I didn't know. And they were like, yeah, it stands for Latter-day Saints, which is also Mormon. And so again, me trying to relate to them. <laughs> this is so fucking stupid. I told them that the only thing that I knew about Mormons, which was a fucking huge mistake. God, I regret this so much. I go, have you guys seen the Book of Mormon? Which is a musical about Mormons yeah. by the South Park guys, right? The, the whole vibe just changed. Immediately, like, the color drained out of this guy's face. Like, it got super awkward, super uptight. But in my defense, like, the girl had, like, fake eyelashes and long blonde <laughs> doll, platinum yeah. extensions. I was like, how fucking Mormon can she be, right? Like, do they not have the fucking internet? Like, do they not know what the Book of Mormon is? Like, right. of course they would know it is. I was raised Christian, but, like... I like know about all the shit that makes fun of Christians, right? Right, right. And I was thinking that it would just be like, it would like unite us and we would like laugh and be like, lol. Right. And maybe they'd be like, oh God, 
it was such a mischaracterization. Right. Oh, ha ha. Yeah, and for sure I thought they were going to be like, lol, right? Yeah. And, and they were not like, lol. It got super awkward. And then he was like, you know, that's not very accurate. And me, again, trying to like save face and like make everything neutral again, just like laughed way louder than normal. I was like, yeah, well, it's the South Park guys. Like, they're not accurate, are they? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> and it was just so awkward. And finally, when we got home, like my fiance was like, why the fuck did you say that? And I was like, I don't know. I was just <laughs> trying to relate to them. You know, I wasn't approaching them like they were aliens, despite how different I knew both of us were. I was like trying trying to still have a conversation with them right. and treat them normal and not be like, well, these are a bunch of fucking weirdos who like get married before they have a baby. Right? right, right. You were trying to, instead of treat them differently by like walking on eggshells, you were treating them like any other person that just right. happens to have a different religion. And yeah. so you were just trying to make conversation and you went about it in a really <laughs> strange way. But you know what? I you tried. inclusive. What is more inclusive? Having an awkward conversation right. with someone or just ignoring them because you're afraid of being awkward? Right. You know what I, I mean? I, I think it's respectful to just be honest with people. But at the same time, I can see now that I like didn't know my much about Mormonism. After doing this episode, I learned more about it. But like the only people I've ever met who were Mormon were I met one person a few years ago who was Mormon, who was a trans man who had recently transitioned and had gone to BYU and had grown up in a Mormon family. And they just talked about how oppressive it was. Those were my only experiences with people who right. were Mormon. So I was thinking like, well, obviously they're exposed to, you know, media and things that like contradict what they believe in yeah. all the time. And that's fine. You can choose to like stay in your, you know, what you believe in or you can choose to leave. I just said the wrong shit basically. <laughs> and I'll suffer for it for the rest of my life. It was so fucking awkward, guys. Well, I, I randomly went to high school with quite a few Mormons and I I remember my junior year I don't know why this happened it had nothing to do with the curriculum but one of the girls had asked our English teacher if he could do a day where she just got up in front of the class and explained what Mormonism is and then had people ask her questions and have her like answer about it because right. I guess she thought there was a lot of misinformation to be honest with you I had never thought of Mormonism until she did that yeah um, I just kind of accepted it because there were quite a few at my high school to be honest with you they all just seemed super fucking nice and happy all the time right. so I just figured I don't know they must have a secret that I don't have because I'm super angsty as a teenager. Right, I know. Well, that's like the, the Book of Mormon musical. It starts off and they're like the nicest people ever. Like it's like all these like super well behaved, put together, very like friendly people like ringing your doorbell and they're right. like, hello, it's nice to meet you. You know, they like do that whole song. Hello, my name is Elder Price and I would like to share with you the most amazing book. Hello, my name is Elder Grant. It's a book about America a long, long time ago. It has so many awesome parts. You simply won't believe how much this book can change your life. Hello, my name is Elder Green. I would like to share with you this book of Jesus Christ. Hello, 
My name is Elder Young. Hello. Did you know that Jesus lived here in the USA? Like at the end, you're like, I love these people. I'll convert to whatever the fuck you want me to. Right, so right. so cute and nice. Yeah, know? that's how they attract you. Yeah. And then I do remember people asking her questions because apparently when you die in Mormonism, men get a planet, but women don't. And oh, hell no. Nah. And also black people like aren't allowed to be what? Mormon. But then recently they changed their mind and said, yeah, it's actually fine. So I know that there was a bunch of controversy when I was in high school. And I remember people asking questions like that. And I had no questions to ask her because, again, probably like you, I just never really thought of it. Right. Well, here's my message to the Mormons. Literally, I've been trying to find out what your fucking people believe for the past hour when I wrote this shit, and I couldn't find any information. Like, every blog I read was contradicting other shit. Nobody is, like, elaborating on this shit. So if you don't want people to just assume that the Book of Mormon and South Park episode that goes along with that is what you believe, maybe just tell us what the fuck you believe, okay? <laughs> so unless you just don't give a shit about educating us on your beliefs, which in that case, I'll just go fuck myself, okay? So of course, According to this FAQ page on PBS.com entitled The Mormon Faith, here's what I found out. This is a word for word quote, so don't think that I'm like plagiarizing this. Like many conservative Christians, the Latter-day Saints believe that Jesus will return to earth to establish Zion, the paradisical promised land. But the Mormons believe specifically that Jesus will establish his new kingdom on the American continent. This expectation derives from a revelation given through the prophet Joseph Smith, and it is in harmony with the history laid out in the Book of Mormon, which is a modern scripture that came into being through agency of this prophet. Okay. The text, which reads like something out of the Old Testament, tells the story of an ancient Hebrew patriarch and a prophet named Lehi, who in roughly 600 BC was called by God to lead a group of Jews from Jerusalem to the New World, America. The group established themselves somewhere in North America, and according to this history, at least some Native Americans descended from these immigrants. Eventually, Jesus appeared to these New World Jews and taught the Christian gospel to them. From this civilization, God continued to call forth prophets, including one named Mormon, the original author of the text that would be engraved on plates of gold that Mormons believe Joseph Smith unearthed in the late 1820s. Along with the plates, Smith also found the Urim and the Thummim, which helped him to translate this text. Okay. A group of followers coalesced around Smith as he dictated his translation of the plates to scribes. Soon after the Book of Mormon was published in 1830, the prophet and his followers organized the Church of Christ, which was an ecclesiastical institution that differed from all other Christian churches at the time because it was led by a prophet and had another sacred text in addition to the Old and New Testaments. Revelation told the members of this new church that theirs was the restoration of the New Testament church that had been removed from earth during a great apostasy that occurred at the end of the apostolic era. This revelation convinced Smith's followers that theirs was the only true church, a doctrinal claim that is still held by the church. The saints believe that prior to being born, each person has a pre-mortal life where spirits dwell with God and develop talents and knowledge to prepare for their mortal life. When their preparation is complete, individuals must progress and spend time on earth in a physical body. 
On Earth, they practice choosing between good and evil to gain new levels of knowledge that will allow them to become like God, which is the ultimate goal of Mormon spiritual development. Mormons believe that after death, the spirit leaves the body and moves on to the spirit world to wait for resurrection. During this time, those who did not embrace the gospel are segregated from those who lived according to God's word. And the spirits of individuals who never had a chance to hear the gospel are also given the opportunity to hear the gospel. Latter-day Saints believe entrance into each kingdom depends on a person's worthiness and their adherence to the commandments of God and the ordinances he has prescribed. Since God is the ultimate judge, all people will be judged fairly and put into the kingdom where they will be most happy. The Mormon temple is considered an earthly point of contact with higher spheres of being. Mormons believe that God is present in the temple space, which makes the temple a sacred place set aside to learn things that allow individuals to progress towards becoming like God. The family unit is central to Mormonism, and the primary ritual function of the temple is to perform ceremonies that seal families together, thus allowing them to dwell together for eternity when they pass on to the celestial kingdom. The specific rituals supporting this function are marriage and family sealing ceremonies mm. in which a husband, wife, and children are officially bound together. They also have baptism for the dead, which is where individuals who died without accepting the LDS gospel and no longer possess the physical body required for baptism are represented by living proxies, thereby granting them the opportunity to join their families in the celestial kingdom. Hmm, that's interesting. Imagine you die and then some of your descendants baptize you post-mortem into their religion and now you're a Mormon. I mean, it's better to use a proxy than like dig up a dead body and dunk it in water right so right that's, yeah. you know it's smart it's interesting it's interesting also wanted to add that there's a lot of secrecy around mormonism specifically because only mormons are allowed in the temples and because everything they do in there is like a sacred act between them and god they they believe it's like not something that you share with people who aren't mormon oh so you couldn't it's not like a church where you could just walk in no. and oh no. Well, how would they de determine whether or not you're Mormon? I think, I don't know. They just ask you? I think you have to like convert. Is there a handshake like in a sorority? I don't, I don't know. It's like secretive. And so wow. that's one of the things that I, that I read about. People think of it as being secretive because you have to be Mormon to like learn the secrets. But like, I don't know how to be more. I guess I could pretend to be Mormon. But then what if I actually became Mormon? What if we're becoming Mormon right now? And what I'm if? like the mole <laughs> sent. Okay. This sorry. is indoctrination. <laughs> right. Okay. Latter-day Saints face excommunication if, after being warned, they continue to publicly discuss problematic or provocative elements of Mormon theology that the church chooses not to draw attention to, which might be why they got so weird when I brought up the Book of Mormon. That's true. Yeah, right. maybe there's something about it that's super offensive, but they're not allowed to share that with you? Well, or according to this document that I read about Mormonism... Because the disciplinary councils that lead to excommunication are always private, the process of gathering information and the closed meetings that consider the fate of disciplined members add to the perception of secrecy, even within the Mormon community. Okay. So it's kind of like they don't really know what's going on there. They just it's like, don't ask, don't tell, basically. It's sounding a little bit like people who are more respected would have more information. Like if you had a higher rank in the church, somehow you would have 
access to like the full Mormonism right. and then people like going down levels have less and less information? Well, I I mean, I was like asking them a bunch of questions about their religion, but I clearly pissed them off. So like they might have thought I was a narc, like trying to like excommunicate them. Yeah. But basically he was saying the guy that I was talking to was saying that like they go on like missionaries like you. Mm -hmm. Everyone in LDS goes on like a mission and he went to L.A., which was part of the reason that I was like, oh, like I'll bring up the Book of Mormon. Like, how can you go to L.A. and And not see? Yeah, I I saw that play in L.A. Yeah, it was like all over the place. Yeah. But anyways, I'm just not over that. (laughs) Now, the reason I told you about all this Mormon shit is so that we can sort of understand the culture that our protagonist is part of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's this woman named Joyce McKinney. Have you ever heard of her? Joyce McKinney. No, I don't think so. You're about to hear a whole lot of fucking (laughs) shit about this woman. So Joyce McKinney was in grad school at BYU. And she was studying for her doctorate in drama, which is red flag number one. (laughs) She was 25 and she had recently converted to Mormonism while she was staying with a Mormon family during college. Joyce was absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. She had even been Miss Wyoming in 1973. All of her life, she had competed in beauty pageants. She even went on to compete in the Miss USA pageant. Joyce was poised. She was classy. She knew how to hold herself and be charismatic. She was an actress. She was studying drama. She knew how to read a room. She was just a people's person. She had also been a model before attending this university. I have only met two beauty pageant girls. Let me tell you, you want to see someone like sit in a chair the most like professional way you've ever (laughs) seen? Yes, that those two women did it right. So here's some photos of her. So these are from the 1970s? Yes. Okay, so I am looking at someone in stereotypical 70s attire, kind of like a flowy tunic Like hippie, sort of. Yeah, hippie look. Bohemian. Bohemian. She's very, very pale. Looks like she might have like strawberry blonde hair. Mm -hmm. And here she is in her Miss Wyoming photo. And here she is in a swimsuit by a pier. She's in cut off jeans cute little she's in a little cowboy outfit yeah she's cute she has like a little button nose yeah which i'm jealous of she she's wearing a mini skirt here and and boots she has her hair done yeah she's cute she's like hair done makeup done everything did right you know she when you picture like a 1970s white woman hippie i feel like that's what you picture right? right like like a very hippie looking outfit and then the like strawberry blonde flowy hair like long long. yes yes so while joyce was in school at byu a younger undergrad student caught her interest his name was kirk anderson he was 19 years old kirk was a mormon missionary and here is a photo of kirk yeah, he looks like he's ready for marriage. Um, <laughs> I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. It just looks like he's on the prowl for a wife. Um, right. He's got his hair. It looks like he looks like a good Mormon boy, right? Yeah. What is he wearing? A suit. Yeah, he's, he's wearing a suit. He's in a suit, he's and he's got like a modern bowl cut. He has like one of those haircuts that's like just 
just fuck me up. <laughs> yeah. So if you wanted to compare and contrast Kirk, the younger undergrad student, with Joyce, the older drama doctorate and her photos versus his photos. Do you feel like there there would be a good match there? No. Um, and I'll tell you why. He looks and is young, right? Like he right. looks very young, very inexperienced. He's only 19 years old, so he's a teenager. Yes. Ha- if the roles were reversed and this story was about a 25-year-old male trying to seduce a 19-year-old girl, I would be like, that's creepy. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to hold firm to that impression and say that I it's a little uncomfortable. Right. Um simply because he's a teenager. I don't know that it would be as big of a deal to me if they were both in their 20s. Right. Okay, so first of all, she has like so many photos I was able to find online because she was like a model. She was like a pageant. She's studying drama. She wants to be an actress where this is the only photo I could find of him. Online. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. Literally the only photo. So just even that shows you how different they are. Right. She's, you know, to me seems a little bit more like this like free spirit. She's wearing bikinis. She's dressing up. She's going out. She's like dressing up as a cowgirl. Right. She seems less conservative having been recently converted to Mormonism versus Anderson, who had been a Mormon his entire life. She seems, again, like she has more life experience. She's more worldly. You know, I I don't know anything about either of these people yet. So I'm like reserving judgment. I think no, just go ahead and judge the shit out of him. Well, <laughs> to me, he just looks like if I'm basing it off of like appearances, he just looks like such a baby. Yeah, you know he looks mean? really like he looks really young, naive. Yeah, sort of. He looks like you could like steal from him and he would be like oh I'm thank so you sorry. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. So, but but if she's recently converted maybe right. this is something where she's like this is good for me you know yeah. like this is like a good grounded. mormon guy gr- yeah grounded perfect right. adjective grounded family oriented not concerned with his appearance yeah. not concerned with like taking a bunch of photos right. and going he's out and meeting girls use, he's like not going to use me as like some way to make him feel better because i'm like right. a beautiful model girlfriend exactly I'm just totally. ready to like sit down, have a wedding. Okay, now babies. I'm on board. And now yeah. I'm like, do I need to find a 20-year-old man? Like, is that like <laughs> what the solution is? <laughs> so obviously Kirk is not supposed to have sex with some like 25-year-old random hot woman before marriage. Totally. In the Mormon faith. But yeah. they did. They became really romantic. They started dating and they had sex at least once or so was admitted later and they even supposedly became engaged so here's where things sort of get crazy apparently this one time that they had sex led to pregnancy and a miscarriage Mm. which really fucked kirk up he felt bad about violating his religion's ideals about abstinence until marriage Kirk felt like he had sex before marriage and the baby died and it was a sign from God that what he had done was wrong and he felt responsible for the death of the baby. Oh, that sucks. That's like very traumatic. Super heavy. And I I feel really, really bad for him, right? So he just decides to leave. He gets on a plane and he goes to Europe to find himself. Just kidding. He went on a Mormon mission. Oh, oh I was like, wow. That... But he also he didn't way. tell his girlfriend, Joyce, where he was going. He just up and left with no clues. So perhaps she thought he went to go find himself. I don't know. Okay. Now, here's where things get sort of messy. And I'm going to say that a lot. Okay. Uh, Joyce hires a private detective to go find him. Oh. Now, some people might think that this is a major violation of privacy, but 
to play devil's advocate, if my young Mormon boyfriend went to Europe <laughs> without telling anyone what his plan was, I would be worried about him. I mean, Kirk <laughs> thought that God was mad at him and he killed a baby. That's really heavy. Yeah. What if he was like up to something dangerous? I don't know. Well, I will also say this too. I need to remember she's a recently converted Mormon girl, right? First of all, a miscarriage fucks you up anyway. Right. Emotionally. Right? Emotionally, hormonally. Yes. Your hair. I mean, you're going through all of the physical changes. physical changes of a pregnancy. And I don't know how far along she was, but it doesn't really matter. Like right. your body doesn't quite know when the miscarriage happens that like you're not pregnant anymore. And it takes right. a while for those hormones to change. I understand his perspective of like really thinking he's being punished and bouncing, mm -hmm. but also that's really messed up to it's her. It's unsupportive. It's unsupportive. She's basically taking crazy pills of like on the hormones, yes. you know, like coming off of the crazy hormone. I can tell you guys, it's like if you want to have like a manic depressive experience, get pregnant. Like that's your time to shine. I, so I can only imagine how high the stakes were for her. And then also for him who is feeling like I might not get to go to fucking the king of zion or wherever right. right like i might not get to go to america 2.0 right exactly yeah it goes both ways like on one hand he's being an asshole because yeah. he should be supporting her in her time of need right and all the crazy fucking changes her body's going through right. and the grieving process but on the other hand if you really believe that you yourself killed a baby yeah like physically like it's the same thing as like murdering like a baby is in front of you and you just stab it yeah no well no. then what you the probably well i'm saying that's you're right. telling me that's what his mentality was so like yeah. if if i really felt like that had happened i don't know that i would be stable enough to be there for someone else who was grieving right, right. it's just a, a fucked up situation right. all around and he's 19 like you're so emotionally immature oh, at that time i don't think i even had a full brain until i was no. like 29 so no and it's like i'm sure for him he gets a boner and then like all the blood is like not in his head he right can't right think straight and she's like really hot and he's probably never had a boner before and he's like <laughs> what's happening <laughs> i i don't know if like her hiring this private detective <laughs> was a psycho move i mean she was getting her doctorate in drama so it could be could or be a it psycho just move. been like you know like caring like if you just randomly went to europe and didn't tell anyone i would be like maybe we need to hire a private detective right right like her. maybe actually she was murdered yeah and this is a cover story so she finds out through the private detective that he went to England on a Mormon mission. Okay. So Joyce does what any crazy ex would do. She gets her bestie to go to Europe and spy on her ex with her. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it sounds fun. Okay. I'm not saying it's right. It just sounds fun. Does it not? So her and her friend, which is this guy named Keith May. Oh, red flag. <laughs> Your bestie is a dude that's right. willing to go with you to spy on another dude. I know. This, this whole story is like messy. It doesn't make sense because like, what is this guy getting out of it? I don't know. It's just messy. That's the biggest like loose end of this whole story. Yeah. So Keith May and her reportedly confront Kirk Anderson on the steps of a Mormon temple. Mm. Now, this is content. I would have loved to see that confrontation where Joyce and this random dude show up on the steps of his temple in England and just to like see the look on his face. Right. I would love to see that. <laughs> However, things quickly took a dark turn. According to reports, Joyce said that Anderson was, quote, brainwashed into the Mormon cult. She thought she needed to go rescue him from England. 
So you might be thinking like, but I thought she was a Mormon too. And here's where it gets kind of hairy. This whole fucking story, there's a lot of deception going on here. Right. Who the fuck is telling the truth? Right. We don't know. Maybe she was saying she was Mormon, but she wasn't. Maybe she was in the Mormon cult, but then she started fucking this guy and she was like, this is all bullshit, right? And he was like, yeah. And she was like, let's run away together. And then he was like, no, just kidding. You're the devil. Bye. Right, Get away right. from me. Crazy. You know? That's true. And especially if she's a late convert, maybe this experience of grieving the loss of her child led her to sort of lose her faith, right? Right. And then now she's feeling like, okay, he left me because of Mormonism, right? Right. He left me because he thinks he can't get into the kingdom of heaven because he killed this child. Right. So now I am like going the total opposite direction and starting to resent Mormonism because that's what's caused me to lose my man. Little did he know that this was like her kink. She also puts an ad in a newspaper... She hires two bodyguards to come with her and Keith May to England to rescue Anderson from the Mormon cult. Okay. Again, what the fuck is Keith May getting out of this? Anyone's guess. So confused. You you know what? He definitely is just trying to hit it. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And he probably is hitting it. Who knows? Might be. So she tells the bodyguards that she's rescuing her fiance out of a cult that he's been in non-consensually. The men that she hired probably thought like, okay, whatever, let's just go bust this bitch out. The two bodyguards are a pilot named Jackson Shaw and a pro bodybuilder named Gil Parker. Joyce brings all of them to England. They're all staying in this motel together. On the day of the rescue, Parker, the bodybuilder, sees Joyce pull out a gun, chloroform, listening devices and a bunch of other sketch shit and he realizes this bitch might be crazy Parker and Shaw are just like you know what I'm not down and they both leave then on September 14th of 1977 Keith, May and Joyce finally confront Anderson on the steps of the Mormon church as he's coming out of the temple Keith poses as an investigator into Mormonism and then pulls out what appears to be a real gun, but it's actually a fake gun. Okay. Anderson sees the gun is like, okay, okay, whatever. I'll do whatever you want. I'll tell you about whatever you want to know about Mormonism. And then he forces him into a car at gunpoint where he sees Joyce. They use the chloroform on him to knock him out. Okay. They take this knocked out Anderson to this rented country house in the middle of fucking nowhere, England. And here's a picture of it. If you want to see, like, literally looks like a stereotypical, like, England I have so home. many questions about how this 25-year-old and her, like, weird boyfriend lapdog are right. able to afford, one, to fly to England, right. two, to, to stay in higher, this. hired bodyguard yeah. and a pilot and, yeah, like, all this stuff. I know. I have the same questions. Well, so Natalia just showed me a black and white photo of a bedroom. Looks creepy. It's <laughs> like a bare mattress and maybe, like two chairs in the room and that's it there's like a rug two chairs and a bare mattress right it's like a little cottage they get to this house in the middle of nowhere and then joyce puts handcuffs mink handcuffs on anderson and handcuffs him to the bed Uh uh-oh 
According to reports, McKinney left Anderson cuffed to the bed in this random countryside home in England for three days. During these three days, Joyce and Anderson have sex a lot, many times. Okay. Multiple times that neither one of them can even remember how many times. And apparently during this time, he also agrees to marry her. Well, yeah, he's handcuffed to a bed. So whether that's because he's a prisoner at this time or because she seduced him and the sex was just that good. No, this is where McKinney and Anderson differ. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's not my story. That's their story. Okay. At the end of these three days, Anderson escapes from this sex den He goes straight to the police and tells them that he's been kidnapped by his ex. Police set up a sting operation by having Anderson set up another meeting on the 21st of December with McKinney and May. And are just like, yeah, let's do more of that prisoner sex stuff. They actually just arrest them both for kidnapping. Thank God. I don't know how they made it this far. Just in a foreign land. I know. Renting chalets. Right? Like how. Flying around the Mormon how temple. How did they get a gun in a chloroform there? Were the 70s just like super like, oh, that's here's another your great gun point. in chloroform. Have a great day. Yeah. Did they like know somebody in England that was like, I can hook you up with mink I- with mink, mink handcuffs. handcuffs. I don't know. I feel like the 70s like was just like a different time. A free for all. Yeah, right? So now you might have thought things were messy before, but here's where things get even messier. Apparently during the 1970s, there was no such thing as a sex crime where the victim was a man in England. Okay, well that's so, fucked. Right. So Joyce really didn't face any harsher penalties in the eyes of the law other than kidnapping and assault. While Joyce was in jail awaiting bail on these kidnapping charges, the tabloids got wind of the story and they totally ran with it and sensationalized it. I mean, it's fucking crazy, right? There's like a beautiful older woman who kidnaps this young, shy Mormon boy during his like Mormon journey. Right. And she forces him to be her sex slave. Sounds like the beginning of a porno, which is why the tabloids loved it so much. And Joyce gives the tabloids during this time exactly what they want. She talks to every single tabloid out there and she sells her story to as many tabloids as would take her. The tabloids dub her Madam Mayhem and Mayhem is exactly what she caused. She became extremely famous. She made so much money off of her story. She came out with almost a million dollars. What? Reportedly. She appeared on two major newspaper headlines the same day, the Daily Mirror and the Daily Express. The Daily Express reportedly gave her 40,000 pounds, which at the time is equal to 225,000, no, 225,000, 225,000. Okay, why does it sound so weird? (laughs) 225,000 pounds today. In US dollars, that's $304,000. I believe it. 304,881? That's 304,000. You're missing a digit. 
if there's a comma after the the first how do you say this number okay let me look this is part of my disease three hundred and four thousand eight hundred eighty one dollars and seventy five cents yeah that's a lot that's a lot of money i don't know why you would ever pay that much money for any tabloid story that was just one tabloid story and she was so famous she was selling tons of them so so disheartening she even played to the tabloids so when she's coming out of the cop car like out of jail going to her like her hearings and whatever she's like holding up photos to the photographers through the police car window that have like little written notes on them that say that like anderson left her willingly and she's a victim so i want you to just like look at these photos oh god oh yeah okay so natalia is showing me one where she's like crying um like a really exaggerated cry it looks like a hollywood movie yeah like she's being pulled away by by cops and then here she is doing another sad crying face holding a note up to a window can you read the note Kirk left with me willingly. He fears excommunication for leaving his mission and made up this kidnap rape story. So that's really difficult. It's messy. Yeah, it's difficult because it's like both of those things seem totally plausible to me. Right. That like she could have kidnapped him and raped him because she's crazy. Or he could be saying that like she he was kidnapped and raped because he fears uh, excommunication by his church for like sleeping, doing like premarital sex. Yeah. So it gets really, really messy. And here's some other headline photos or headlines if you want to read some of these. Oh, my God. Okay. well, here's a nude photo of her. um, And it says the real McKinney. Mm -hmm. Here's another photo of her crying with something in her mouth. And it says my undying love. Yeah. Uh, then here's a photo of him and it says blondie shackled me for sex then a photo of her and it says love kinks of my sexy tiger (laughs) then this one says a modern love loves labors lost and it's a photo of her as miss wyoming and then that's her and keith that's keith Keith May, yeah. Is Keith May 75 years old? Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Keith May looks like he's 75 years old in this photo. And it's... It says, The Runaways, Sex and Chains, Girl Has a New Look. And it's a photo of her and Keith May. Next one says, This is the Daily Mirror. Both of these are the Daily Mirror. The first one says, My Mormon Lover Made My Heart Flip Flop. And the second one says, Not So Dumb Blonde, Mirrors Part in Big Search. So as you can see, this is like a crazy story, yeah. right? It's like, what do you believe? It, it's, it draws you in because you're like, who do you believe? The circumstances are extraordinary. And people just couldn't get enough of it. They wanted to know more and more. And then Joyce keeps doing what I would say. She just fucking just can't get out of her own way. And she keeps making more headlines and more news. And if this is true, if she's really saying that, like, the reason he won't take her back, even though he loves her, is that the Mormon church is going to, like, uh, like pun- punish him, then she should fucking calm the fuck down. And, like, you know, yeah, like, start acting Mormon. I don't know. Well, also, you're saying that she's basically going to face no consequences for what she's done. I know she's arguing that she didn't do anything wrong. Right. But even I, I personally, spoiler alert, think that she is probably batshit crazy. Right. Um, even her being batshit crazy, you're telling me she's not really going to face any consequences. She's leaving this situation more wealthy than she started. Right. So I feel like cut your losses. I know. You know what I mean? She just couldn't, though. She says she like loved him too much and she was trying to rescue him from this cult. 
And so even though she's making money and she's famous, she's still in jail. The jail releases her after three months on bail, quote, due to her declining mental health. I think that because of the fame and money she had, she could probably like bribe some people or something, or perhaps this was foreshadowing into the state of Joyce's mental health issues we'd come to later. But I also now having, you know, just thought like reread this story, maybe England was just like, who the fuck cares? This kid from America and this other girl from America. Send him back to America. Yeah, like you guys, we don't give a fuck. Right. Because to them, it's sort of like a victimless crime. Like they don't believe really that like a man can be raped by a woman, even though we disagree with that. Right. To them, it's a victimless crime. Right. So they're like, why are we like wasting our time with this? Yeah, the 1970s was not the greatest time in general for any rape story. Right. Um, I feel like there was just a lot of laws lacking in that area in general. I think it was even worse then than it is now for all genders. So right. who knows what they were thinking? But I, I, I kind of tend to agree with you. Like they were probably just like, get these idiots out of here. They're not right. even our people. It's not our right. problem. Yeah. Go back to America. Fuck you guys. Yeah. Basically. As soon as Joyce gets out of prison, she cashed out on as much of her story as possible. Then her and her friend Keith May do some really stupid shit. They Keith. fly to Canada using fake passports and why? disguise themselves as nuns. They just do a bunch of different disguises, which is why you saw in that headline a photo of Keith where he looked really old. Because yeah. they were thinking if they could change their identity, that they could just like leave and no one would know like who they were. Because she said she became like super famous. Okay. So they try to re-enter the U.S. with fake passports, posing as nuns. And the U.S. was like, mm, we we know who you are. I'm just picturing her like she's made a passport using crayons and <laughs> printer paper and is like, like oh, excuse me, typewriter paper because it's the right. 70s. And she's just like, yes, I'm a nun. Right. Like even more crazy. What makes this even crazier is that for some reason, the British authorities decided not to file extradition charges, which I think might be, again, just like, fuck it. We don't care. Right. Like, just this is a, a waste of our money and resources. We'd right. rather just like bar them from reentry to our country. Right. Perhaps a bribe, power. I don't know. It just seems like the woman was on fire. She might have been working with demons. Seems like her flow was really strong. <sighs> So now you thought the shit was already a mess, but here it gets even more messy. Because McKinney and her accomplice skipped bail and they fled to the U.S. before the case was tried and they were also not extradited, they never were tried for those specific crimes. What was what were the charges that were filed? If kidnap they didn't, and assault. Kidnap and assault. Okay. Which is still pretty serious. Well, of course. Like kidnapping's bad. I think England... <laughs> is not as serious about punishment as the U.S. I just have this, like, this feminine urge to just be like, they gotta sweep their chimneys! But... <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> to do to do a Mary Poppins chimney sweep impression? Right, yeah. Though I spend me time in the ashes and smoke, in this old wide world there's no appia bloke. Chim chim and me chim chim and me chim chim chewy. The feminine urge to sweep a chimney in Victorian England. In a Cockney accent. Yeah. So Joyce, she's super famous. She has this story or whatever. And she can't stop getting interviewed by people. And she can't also shut the fuck up. She tells reporters that she thought Kirk had been brainwashed by the Mormon church, which she believed to be a harmful cult, which was trying to keep Kirk and her separated. Okay. Apparently, Joyce believed that Kirk was her true love and that he loved her as well, 
they were supposed to get married, but his teachings in the Mormon church had brainwashed him into running away from her to England. Joyce even nicknamed Kirk Colt Kirk and claimed that she wanted to de-brainwash him. Joyce claimed that she had read a bunch of books on deprogramming people to leave cults, and she believed that she could use sex to help him see that what he had been taught by the Mormon church was not true and that they were really true lovers. Okay. She wanted to deprogram him with sex. She said that the bondage was there to help him to let go completely because he was so brainwashed by the Mormon church that he couldn't actually like relax into sex unless he thought he was like being forced into it. That would like allow him to like open up. This now calls into question their entire relationship before the whole England debacle. You're going to leave with more questions like, than we, I've got answers if, for. If she's saying he was never able to be relaxed during sex, that sounds just like another way of saying that she raped him. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Interesting. Like that he didn't want to do it and she was just constantly pressuring him. So here's where consent is like so important because I know there is in popular and like kink play and BDSM. It can be like a relief to people who like bondage to have it. They feel like, oh, I'm safe because someone else is controlling me so I can oh, like fully let go. And I know also not for all women, but for some women who engage in like kink play like that, where they want to be like submissive, sometimes it like deals with humiliation where like uh, a dominant will like call them like a slut and call them like a whore and like dirty and stuff and and they like it. And uh, there's also like rape fantasies and things like that. So the lines with BDSM do d definitely get blurred and it definitely is like psychological turn-ons mm -hmm. for people I think so is that kind of what she's alluding to she's saying yeah. that this was a typical right situ sexual situation for them that they would often do things like this where he would be restrained she didn't say that she didn't say like he was often restrained she was saying that he was look guys I'm not saying I agree with this at all. I'm just going to tell you what the crazy person is thinking. Okay? okay. So no one like quote me. Like don't Joe Rogan me and like <laughs> fucking play this later. I'm almost afraid to say it. But this woman believed that he had been so brainwashed by Mormonism that in order for him to not be afraid of the consequences, he would need to feel like he had no other choice rather than to be a sex prisoner of her. So like, even though he really loved her, he wouldn't go with her because he was so afraid of the consequences of the Mormon church. But if she kidnapped him and like fucked him against his will, he would enjoy it because he would feel like he wasn't going to get in trouble because it wasn't his fault. Oh, <laughs> it's a mind fuck but it Sorry. doesn't make sense no it makes it makes sense i'm just like the, it's fucked up well first of all of course it's fucked up i hope everybody that's listening to this understands <laughs> that it's fucked up um but i the reason why i'm like oh is because i would have never even come across that i would have never even like jumped to that right because you're not fucked up but <laughs> so i so i'm just like genuinely like oh i guess it makes sense like right. her 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 weird logic, I could see how she's making that leap. Right. And that's it. That's all I can kind of, I can see how she's making that leap, but yeah. it doesn't make it right, of course. It's, yeah, it's very common in like rape fantasies and uh, to have that 
that sort of trope. Like you actually want me to fuck you, but you can't because of society's constraints on you as like a female. Okay. And so therefore, like I'm just going to rape you. And then like the girl like secretly likes it. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, we don't need to dwell on that. You guys yeah. hit up Google. So <laughs> tell us if you've got a similar fantasy and explain it to us in an email. There, Yeah, there's a Reddit subreddit for like literally rape fantasies. You can go on there and you can see that she is not the only person who's interested in this. So basically she wanted to deprogram him with sex. And again, she said that he loved her and he agreed to marry her, but that the church threatened him with excommunication for being with her, which is why he changed his mind and was now maintaining that this was a non-consensual thing. Okay. And we aren't obviously sure if any of this is true or she's just trying to make people sympathetic to her in order to avoid serious punishment. I don't know. Joyce claims that their sex was completely consensual and that during the sex, Kirk actually enjoyed it. She said, quote, he was grinning like a monkey. She also told reporters that she didn't even get off on the sex and that she was only trying to please him during sex. Okay. Both Joyce and Keith May, which why the fuck was Keith May involved in this? Keith May, if you are still out there, why? Why have you not thrown yourself into the sea by now? (laughs) This is the weirdest. This is so bizarre. That's why I think she was working with demons, but we'll get to that. So they vigorously denied the charges forever. And McKinney ends up saying of Anderson, quote, I loved him so much that I would ski naked down Mount Everest in the nude with a carnation up my nose if he asked me to. I don't think he'd ask you to do that. I don't think anyone would ask you to do that. But right. I all right. Right. I don't know why she needed to say that. I feel like she's over sexualizing herself in order to like entice the tabloids to keep talking to her. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. She's being a pick me girl. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) And then to add to this sort of drama, there were also several reports pointing out the size difference between McKenney and Anderson that were alluding to the fact that McKenney is so much smaller than Anderson that if Anderson really was being restrained by her, that he could have gotten away if he wanted to. Now, obviously, we understand more about non-consensual sex now than they did then. Like, obviously, there's non-consensual sex where it's not like you can just freeze up. You don't have to escape. You don't have to, like, punch your attacker in the face and run away. You can still be raped even if you don't respond that way. Right. And I think also it could be a survival tactic. Like, why would I want to... Upset this crazy person and maybe they'll resort to violence. And especially because he had seen a gun and he didn't know it was fake. That's true. He just saw a gun. So why is he he's probably biding his time waiting for the perfect escape opportunity rather than risking overpowering her and being murdered right joyce continued to talk to the tabloids and maintained this entire time that the sex was totally consensual and that she wasn't the Madame Mayhem that the tabloids painted her out to be. Like the bondage was just this kink and it was something that she was using to to deprogram his brain. And then she also even hinted that if he wanted to, he could have gotten away like he did eventually do. So she like really maintains that this was all just kink play. But Anderson maintained that everything was non-consensual and he refused to speak with the tabloids. And Joyce said that it was because of the Mormon church was preventing him from telling the full story, which 
could have a grain of truth in it because like we said in the beginning, the Mormon church uh, excommunicates members who uh, talk badly about the church and they, or like uh, shed publicity on things that are unfavorable about the church. So after all of all of these tabloids come out. Joyce became extremely powerful. The press invited her to parties and movie premieres, and she even got to hang out with A-list celebrities like the Rolling Stones and the Bee Gees. And supposedly at these events, she got more attention than the actresses and the singers. And there was one uh, movie premiere she went to where she even was said to have upstaged the main actress there. Like all the photographers flocked to her instead of the main actress, and it pissed off the actress. And so people thought that she was really cool. They didn't see her as like a sex criminal. She thought they thought that she was like this cool dominatrix girl. I mean, she was kind of like the male fantasy, according to these. I guess I guess we have to remember the societal context. So different. Well, the hippie era was all about free love. Right. Right. So I guess if if we're only hearing her side of the story, if people are only hearing one side of the story, which is her side of the mm-hmm. story, and it's during the free love era and she's associating herself with these like these celebrities and right. musicians who are known for being involved in the free love movement, then perhaps for people living during that time, it's not a jump. It's not right. like a big leap to make to be like, oh, yeah, of course. Of yeah. course, she was just this cool dominatrix, you know, right. who was embracing her sexuality. So here's some photos of Joyce during this time of um, her extreme publicity. There's her and Keith May walking to Keith a premiere. Keith May, what is going? First of They're all, holding hands, right? Like, I'm sorry, she looks insane in this photo. Um, to me i think she looks like she's living her best life like she's wearing awesome clothes she's smiling like grinning ear to ear she's like basically been accused of being a rapist and she's just like like doesn't seem phased by it look at look at all of the people in the background so natalia's showing me a black and white paparazzi photo where it looks like they're walking down perhaps a red carpet runway and there are people behind barricades, barricades and all of these people are not smiling they're not clapping. Oh. You, did you notice that? So I'm wondering, like, how oh, right. beloved was she really? Or if, you know, she's grinning like a total idiot. Keith May looks like he's trying to not piss his pants. I don't know what is going <laughs> he's on like, with oh this man. Oh, my God. She's holding my hand. Right. Oh, hide yeah. your boner. What do I do? Oh, my God. I followed her to England and now she's <laughs> holding my hand. It's paying off. I knew it would. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. This is very unsettling, Here's, I will say. Natalia's going to post this to the Instagram, I'm there's sure. There's another photo of her and Keith. Yeah. Maybe just because I know what she did now. I'm like, Keith, she also looks in insane. this photo, um, it looks like they're going to like some sort of official hearing or something like that. And he has a hand on her shoulder. In every photo, Keith has like the body language of like someone who's her boyfriend. Right. I, I actually thought it was her on a date. It was like a paparazzi photo of her on a date. Interesting dynamic. Oh, now, wow. Here's her with Keith Moon or something is his name. I don't know. But he's he's like a famous musician from the 70s era okay so there's her and she's obviously like drunk at whatever premiere this is yeah holding a glass of something leaning on him yeah she like they definitely look like they're about to fuck later yeah like she's leaning on him looks clearly drunk is wearing like a a, a kind of like a sexy fuck me outfit and he's like smiling looking directly into her eyes and their body language is very much like we are going to fuck later yes 
Here's a photo of her. She's like wearing this cool backless halter looking over her shoulder as she's leaving the place, smiling because she's about to go fuck this famous guy, probably. Probably. She looks great, though, right? She's hot. I maybe just because I know what she did now, but now I'm looking at these photos and I'm like, she looks ridiculous to me now. She will. Yeah. But I just try to see like why she was so popular despite knowing this whole story. And I literally think it's just because she was hot. Like she could be. You know, yeah. So the coverage in the British newspapers in the final months of 1977 was a lot of coverage. Some newspapers tried to obtain scoops on the stories to undermine other newspapers. For example, the Daily Mirror researched McKinney's past and they reported over several days that she had actually been a nude model, which were the photos that you saw. And then the Daily Mail attempted to devalue the Mirror's reports by advertising itself as the paper without. Joyce McKinney. So she was on everyone's mind. Some people claimed that the story was popular at the time because it provided light relief for the newspaper reading public from the more serious stories that was about politics going on in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Roger Wilkes said that the coverage of the case cheered Britain up to no end. Huh. The coverage was also extensive in part because the case considered the rape of a man by a woman, which was never something that was considered before. Hmm. And according to reports, in 1978, many men privately expressed their disbelief of such a possibility. There was even a true crime book made about her in 1978 called Joyce McKinney and the Case of the Manacled Mormon, which sounds like a Nancy Drew book. Have you read that? (laughs) I love Nancy Drew so much. Don't you dare drag her pristine (laughs) name into this abomination of a story. Not to be outdone, Joyce claimed that she was working on her own memoir entitled, what do you think it was entitled? Uh, I went to Europe using (laughs) undisclosed funds and Mm -hmm. rented a chalet with a guy that is not my boyfriend, but also I'm going to hang out with him for the rest of my life holding hands. (laughs) It was called A Very Special Love Story. So just to put that in perspective, there was a book made about her that was called Joyce McKinney and the Case of the Manacled Mormon. Uh And then her memoir is entitled A Very Special Love Story. At this time, Joyce renounced the Mormon faith. And she started becoming um, obsessed, is the word, with the Osmond family. You know Donnie and Marie Osmond? vaguely me too basically this is fucking this is could be a whole other haunted episode there's like this family of like nine children and they like sing and dance and donnie and marie are like the most famous ones and they ended up having this show that was like on television where they would do like little jokes and songs and dances and i i will pull up a video of it briefly now so you can kind of see what it is okay okay look i happen to be very well informed i mean i read all the news magazines cover to cover Maybe if you read what was inside. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Now look what you're doing. Look what you're doing. You're giving everyone the impression out there that I'm an ignoramus. That's ignoramus. Ignoramus. Amos. 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 Sure. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> Learn something every day. Well, that has, nothing, that has nothing to do with marking your ballot. Or is it bailing? <laughs> okay, okay. Let's see how much you do know, okay? Okay. Okay, how are you voting on Proposition 3? Proposition 3. Comes right between 2 and 4. I know it comes. (laughs) All right, look. Look, I haven't read all the propositions. Uh I will, I will, I will. 
And I want everyone to know out there that I will be making my decision with logic and pure intelligence. Because you see, I let my brain do the voting. Oh, you're voting by absentee ballot. <laughs> certainly was a different time yeah. i will say um i don't i feel like in order to understand even the show you just showed me mm -hmm. i would have had to have been born during that time because it's hard for me to put myself in that position of like it's like share time yeah right like everything was very performative almost Hokey. like a vegas show yeah. like everyone's wearing like sequins and they're doing like little dance numbers and nothing was digital so they had like big sets rolling behind them and like dancers and stuff glitter, glitter. Spark sequins yeah right it was like super theatrical i don't know why this is part of her story perhaps just to show mentally how she sort of like fixates on things joyce became very interested in the osmond family and supposedly even dated one of them and his name was wayne osmond and she told reporters that she had been dating him before she met anderson and that they were going to get married as well the tabloids who were not ready to let this story that was selling them so many like magazines and papers die dredged up old photos of Joyce from her beauty pageant days and they claimed that she was actually a high class call girl okay. which would explain how she had all these ties to celebrities and where she was getting her like money from etc and they even posted censored nude photos of her. Joyce maintained that this was actually not true and that the nudes had been stolen from her home after a reporter broke into her her home oh. to get more information on her. So here's some photos of her nudes. So here's a photo of her in a Halloween pirate costume yeah. um, with her titties out. It's like very cheeky, but it's not professional. It looks like someone took it with just like a camera outside. Yeah, yeah. And the next one is like here she is holding something in her hands. A hairbrush. And her hair's, oh, a hairbrush, and her hair is covering herself a little bit. Yeah, and again, it looks like it's in like in a backyard or mm -hmm. something. They're yeah, not definitely. professional. This one here she is nude, laying on a couch. Yeah. Here she is nude in a in a desk chair. Here Talking she on is. The phone. Her and a friend fighting in lingerie. So here's where it gets. That's weird. I, I guess she had done while she was a model some like BDSM photo shoots. Oh. So that's what this is, is that like it's her and another girl and she looks like she's trying to like break her arm over her right. leg or something. These pictures do remind me of um, like, I don't know if anyone follows the story of Marilyn Monroe. She could also be her own episode. But I do recall some nudes of her leaking to the press. And she, Marilyn Monroe famously was a victim of every circumstance you could right. ever think of. And she had basically been tricked and I believe assaulted by the photographer that took those photos and just taken advantage of totally because right. she was super broke. So yeah. that's what these photos kind of remind me of is it's like some skeezy dude mm -hmm. that's like, oh, I'll take these headshots of you. Oh, I'll take these photos of you. And right. and also then while in the process of doing that convinces or coerces her to take her clothes off and yeah. then perhaps sold these photos perhaps he said he would never leak them perhaps she thought she had the only copies right, but, but clearly now she's super famous and yeah they got leaked i mean it is plausible i could see someone breaking into her house to get more information yes. on her yeah. and stealing her nudes because like those none of those besides the uh the lingerie one where she's like pretending to break the other girl's arm look professional to me they all look like something you would like take with your friend like yeah. joking around in your house right 
So years pass by. Joyce is somewhat famous. So you would think that she gives up on Anderson by this time. She's made a bunch of money. Oh, my God. She still hasn't given up on him? (sighs) No. How romantic is that? Not at all. (laughs) This is horrifying. No, she does not give up on him. In 1984, Joyce is arrested for stalking in Utah when Anderson reports that she was sitting in a car outside his job. And at this time, Anderson's now married to another woman. So when Joyce is just sitting in her car outside of his place of work, he's like, what the fuck? Yeah, no. Calls the police. The police find a notebook in her car that contained information about Anderson's day-to-day activities and his schedule. And in the trunk of her car, they found handcuffs and chains. Get a fucking job, dude. I know. She told police that she just wanted to talk to Anderson and see how he was doing. Uh Uh-huh. With handcuffs. Anderson said that he was in shock that he, like, thought that chapter of his life was over i mean it's been this poor guy such a long time right and he never expected joyce to reappear back in his life in any shape or form fast forward to 2008 mckinney is back in the news but now 2008 yeah recent that is so recent but now she's changed her name to bernan mckinney and she's now doing dog cloning what (laughs) i'm sorry what this is the strangest turn of events i you could not what make, make this shit up yeah bizarre career yeah. pivot it's like none of these words are in the bible vibes okay yeah. so she asked a south korean laboratory to clone her deceased dog which was a pit bull named booger the clone dog cost her fifty thousand dollars which was actually a bargain because she promised to give the cloning lab publicity in exchange for the deal now this move sounds crazy but it actually made her even more successful the publicity and success of her dog cloning started the world's the world's planet earth's first successful commercial dog cloning business what now here's some photos of her showing off her cloned dog oh my god her pit bull named booger this lady is Do you just... Want to just describe the these photos the level of crazy <sighs> you guys i'm looking at she's how old is she here 60 she's got to be in her 60s she has bright blue eyeshadow a bright blue shirt and she's holding up a photo album of like photos taken in the 80s or 90s of this dog yeah it's like a full album of just like photos of a dog which like i feel that as a dog owner i feel that but she looks crazy crazy now here's Um, her getting out of a cab with her cloned dog that's the clone i feel so bad for that dog you want to describe this yeah she's (laughs) wearing like a blue flowy tunic and her titties are out for sure you know if it were anyone else i'd be like more power to you dress the way you want to dress who gives a shit if you look bad in it just do it but I don't like her. And she's wearing silver flats and her dog is... Wearing a matching outfit. Yeah. Her dog's wearing a glittery turban and a matching blue... God, this poor dog. Blue outfit. This is taking such an odd turn. She brought that dog, this dog that she cloned, to uh, several screenings. So what ended up happening is in 2010, a documentary which is made by this Academy Award winning director came out about the McKinney case and it's entitled Tabloid. It was super well received and it was picked up for distribution at Sundance. In the film, Joyce gives interviews and she talks a lot. She's painted as basically an attention whore, but also talks about the truth of what really happened And the director sort of leaves it up to us to decide what happened. And it's sort of painted out in a way 
to make us believe that the truth is somewhere between McKenney's story and between Anderson's story and that most likely he was in a sexual relationship with her and may have even promised her marriage and they were super in love but you know he's 19 she's 25 he's a mormon she's not of course he's gonna be like interested in sex like when she comes around he's like oh i've been in this mormon temple with a bunch of dudes for three months and this hot girl is like coming taking me on the stairs like you know right so but he probably decided to leave after three days of being like okay this is there's no future plan in this who the is this keith may guy (laughs) why is what is keith may doing this whole time that's what i want to know is he just eating a bowl of cheerios in the room watching them have sex joyce appears at a few of these screenings of this film to promote her dog cloning business oh my god and then five years later she decides to sue the filmmaker because she said that he told her the film would clear her name but instead it painted her as quote a prostitute and a crazy person which to be honest I don't think that's bad compared to a premeditated rapist, but what? Okay. Who cares? You know? Also, if anything, she did that to herself. Right. You know? So that's what the filmmaker said, too. He was like, you willingly gave all of these uh, interviews. Right. The filmmaker offered to settle with her for $65,000, but McKinney refused because she said that they made millions. And in her defense, her dog was fifty grand, so $65,000 <laughs> was probably like chump change to her. Yeah. According to the filmmaker... The courts ended up dismissing the suits because they said that Joyce was overly litigious, meaning that she was Mm -hmm. like trying to sue for everything. And according to Joyce, the documentary filmmaker stole her manuscript to the memoir she was writing and some proof that would like back her up back her up on her nudes having been stolen from her house oh so she gave them like a ton of documents like a ton of evidence and all of this stuff and didn't make make copies i guess not and they like stole it from her she says okay so here's the trailer for tabloid when i met my crook it was like in the movies when juliet looks at romeo and it's she had fallen in love with him and become obsessed by him the next thing i know he vanished into thin air I found him in England. The Mormons had him. Joyce set up this plan. I knew there was only one way to get Kirk out of Mormonism, and that was to make love with him. Kirk and I went to this cottage. We made love for three days. It was like a honeymoon. (laughs) This bizarre story began here last Wednesday. A young Mormon missionary was kidnapped, driven to a house, blindfolded, and his legs shackled. I couldn't believe it. It was just like shock. It was in all papers. Were you surprised to be put in prison? I really didn't feel I'd done anything wrong. Scenario number one, fake gun, chloroform, tied up, sexual impropriety. Second version is Joyce's story. The Mormons get him, brainwash him, and all of a sudden he's claiming rape. A guy either wants to have sex or he doesn't. That's like putting a marshmallow in a parking meter. The British Isles was on fire with the Joyce McKinney story. I was a celebrity. She was having the time of her life, disguises and weeds. Worms crawl out of the woodwork when you become famous. They had a tip, 38, 24, 36. Your fantasy is her speciality. The press went crazy. They said I was a whore. Oh, my heck, as they say in Utah. She went barking mad. <laughs> She disappeared a day later. It's not a porno story like these crazy newspapers have tried to make. It's a love story. You know, you can tell a lie long enough till you believe it. It looks very interesting. Doesn't it? I kind of want to watch it. Now, if you... I know, right? Now, if you heard that and you were thinking like, oh, shit, like, it kind of seems like maybe she got railroaded a little bit. I... 
I felt the same way. I felt like her story did have some credence to it. But then I heard her talk, like not in this interview. So and and um, I decided she at that. You know what? I'll just let you decide what you think. So here is an interview she gave after the film. And the director is just standing right next to her, letting her talk for a second so um, people can hear her. So she comes out on stage with her clone dog, of course. Oh, we've all been through that, haven't we, girlfriend? <laughs> but the thing I always uh, resented so much is when these reporters would use the word obsession. I wasn't any different than any woman in this auditorium. I was looking for that magical guy, don't we all, ladies? That handsome prince. The, ones that make, <laughs> the one that makes us <laughs> our heart beat faster. That's what I was looking for. And I had a very dangerous cult taken away from me. And that's one of the things that concerned me about this film. I don't think there was enough stress on that. Um, the Mormon cult has destroyed the lives of thousands of people and caused suicides. What they do to minority groups, blacks, gays, women, is terrible. And someday I hope to tell the true story of what the Mormons did to me and to the man I loved. And uh, that's, that's my goal before I die, before I kick the bucket and go to heaven. I want to at least make sure that the, the story is told about that because I think that's what's left out of this film. It's one of the things that bothers me about it. And it's not funny. And two of the guys that are in this film, I've never met them. I have never met um, Troy Williams. I've never met... Um, was the other guy, Kent Heck Gavin? I do know Kent Gavin was involved in the burglary in my, my home. And I really resent them being allowed to tell the Joyce McKinney story when I've never met them. And pretending they were in my bedroom with me and my fiance. I mean, I don't sell tickets. So I just thought you guys should know that, that I didn't know these two of these people that were in this movie. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> do we have any questions? I don't mind. Go ahead. Did I scare you to death? <laughs> My story is actually a very deep story. It's a very intellectual story. And it's, it's not a comedy. It's not a sex comedy. It's not silly. It's not funny. It's scary. Because so many people have been hurt. And I always felt like I had this terrible burden on my little old shoulders to tell what Mormonism had done to people. And I didn't know why the senseless tragedy happened to me. So many times I would stay awake at night and say, Why? Why? Why didn't we just be able to get married and have kids and a little leave it to beaver house with a picket fence? But I think there was a reason for it. I think that the man upstairs wanted me to alert people to what Mormonism does to destroy people. It's not funny. It's scary. And when you have a group that teaches there's going to be a new world order and a theocracy reestablished and they want to get their own president, hello, Mitt. <laughs> it's pretty scary. It's pretty scary. And... There was a very important part of my story that was left out in this film. And I have a copy of the transcript. Anybody that wants to come up and talk to me after the thing, you're welcome to look at it. But um, I have a transcript of the telephone conversation between me and Kirk Anderson. And in this telephone conversation, it's when our line was tapped. It was actually illegally tapped by the Mormons when he and I talked the last time. And in this conversation, he says that they are flying in PR teams from Utah to handle damage control. Spin doctors, I think they're called. And he said they're all out there, hundreds of them out there saying um, something like, uh, 
oh, why, why, why were they gone so long, or this, or what did you do? And they were actually telling the, the press, these PR teams, that I had kidnapped and raped him. Folks, I have never been charged with raping a man. Hello, I've never been convicted of raping a man. In fact, it is criminal libel, anyone who says that. I have never been charged with raping Kirk Anderson. In England, according to Hallsbury's statutes, a woman can't even be charged with raping a man. And I have lived under this terrible lie for so long. My mother, when she heard about this film, she's in a hospital right now. She went into shock. It took us years to get over the pain and the heartache. Years. Years. Years of battling agoraphobia and trauma and depression. Any of you guys ever been depressed or sad? That's what it did to me. And it was for 33 years that my family had to go through this. And now I feel like with this film, the pain is opening up again. And it's not funny to me. It's scary to me because my story still hasn't been told. I hope it will be someday. I hope somebody comes up to me and says, you know, let's, but you know, I have passed a lie detector test. I've passed it. And I'll take one. And anybody wants to administer another, I will. Because I know before my God that I just love somebody and I fought for that love. And one of the things that concerned me about this film is the way Mark Lipson, the producer, treated me. He, he, while Earl was interviewing me, I don't know if Earl knows about this, he ramsacked my suitcase and he took a whole bunch of pictures of me without my consent and they were actually in this film. He actually took them and they were used, I feel, in a libelous and slanderous fashion. When there's a real story there to be told that could affect the lives of so many people and it's not been told. And I hope it is someday because my story's not a sex comedy. It's not silly. It hurt me when you guys laughed. I mean, maybe it was funny to you. Maybe you just laughed out of politeness or maybe it just hit you that way. But it hurt me when you guys laughed because I thought, they really don't know the story. They don't know the heartache or the fear or the trauma that I went through. It's like yesterday for me. And I think, I don't think I can die happy until I get that story told. I still want to tell it. And after this film came out, I just sat up night after night without sleep, going through all the reviews, saying, Joyce McKinney, kidnapper, rapist. People thought I kidnapped and raped a man. And the chloroform part in this film, first of all, let me explain. There's been five different versions of the Mormon story that their PR men released. First version says I chloroformed him. And while he was out, I was supposed to have my way with him for three days. Okay, second version says that I used a gun. Then by 1984, we're Joyce, the I'm, I, I'm sorry, just because we have to let the room go before we get through all five oh. versions, but, but we are very honored to, to have you with us tonight, and I think I can speak for many viewers of this film who find you a totally fascinating and charming character. Well, I hope they don't think I'm an S&M film. hooker. <laughs> Do you think so? I'm serious. And that I, worried I, me so much. I mean, and the one with the naked mermaid body in here? The naked mermaid. Where did you guys get the naked mermaid picture? What do you think of that? Yeah, she, um, like you said, this is a very messy story. This woman, for, I am not like a trained doctor or psychologist right. or anything, of course. But I watch that video and I think there's something wrong here. Yeah. Um, 
mentally she's there's something like a lot of what she's saying i think there, like i said i think there is some credence to it i think they probably did have consensual sex at some point at some point and i think that um you know maybe some promises were made as young boys do when they are horny see i'm kind of going the opposite direction and now i'm thinking did she even have a miscarriage or is that something she said to him because she thought it would make him stay maybe i mean i don't know but i i do know that boys will say whatever they can to in the moment like in the heat of the moment especially when they're 19 you know maybe he was like yeah we're gonna get married and then maybe he was like oh wait you're not all there i don't know someone commented on that youtube video and um they said that like have you ever been like in a convertible with a girl and you just had sex and she's amazing and she's beautiful and you're sitting there in the car with her and the wind is blowing through her hair and then just for like a slight moment you realize she's just batshit insane and you have to get away from her as fast as you can yeah that's the impression i'm getting i'm getting the impression that she's not she's not all there and i want to be sensitive to the mental health aspect of this case but Mm -hmm. i also think what's more important is that she raped somebody so whether like your mental illness is not an excuse for crimes that you inflict upon other people she didn't rape anyone yeah but i don't believe that because she flew all the way to england to like try to find him against his will i think it's one thing if she really did have this miscarriage they had this consensual relationship she had this miscarriage and then he just bounces i can totally understand being heartbroken about that and like needing to go to therapy and also understanding that in the 1970s therapy was probably not accessible to anybody but i can't imagine i've had my heart broken before and i cannot imagine a scenario in which i would fly to where that person was and stalk them I I think that this story is really messy and I think that she also needs to shut the fuck up. Like, okay, so during that whole video, you guys couldn't see it, but it'll be, parts of it will be on our Instagram. The director is standing right next to her with just like the shit-eating grin on his face. Right. Just like being like, yep, you guys can see it. Yeah, this is what I had to deal with this whole time. And it reminds me, so when I had to get that restraining order earlier on, I was really like nervous because I had never been through something like that before. And the person that I was getting the restraining order was like accusing me of like consorting with the devil, consorting with the devil and being a prostitute, being a prostitute, like illegal sex work, et cetera, et cetera. And just like those are just a few things, a lot of them. And I was nervous. And the lawyer said to me, Look, you don't need to worry about anything. I love cases like this. This this person that we're getting the restraining order is like the perfect person for this because you don't even have to say anything. We're just going to let her talk. He was like, all we have to do is just sit back and let her talk, 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 talk. And she's going to talk a lot. And the judge is going to know all that they need to know just by listening to her. So don't worry. You don't have to prove right. anything. Don't worry about like anything you say or whatever. Like the judge is literally just going to hear her talk and understand. And, you know, she's saying like a canary. She couldn't shut the fuck up. Judge would ask her a question. She would respond with like a five paragraph essay of just batshit insane. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's kind of like what I get from Joyce is I'm like, you know, 
if you had me in the first half, if you would just say one sentence, I might feel bad for you. I might be like, oh yeah, she was totally taken advantage of, but she just keeps going on and on. And you have enough time to get like that YouTube comment where you're like, you're in the convertible and you're with her and you like her vibes great. But then she's just, it's just like a moment too long and you realize she's crazy. I also see a lot of parallels between this case and the Jodi Arias case, because in Jodi Arias, who, if people don't know, she famously murdered her ex-boyfriend. It was a similar situation where she was a converted Mormon. He was in the Mormon church. They weren't supposed to be having sex, but they were. And he was telling her, hey, I'm going to marry you. I'm going to marry you. But then really had no respect for her because he was looking at her as like this sinful woman that was trying to take him away from Mormonism. And that pissed her off and she killed him. And that pissed her off and she killed him. And in in that scenario, I think we would all agree like it doesn't really matter what promises he made to Murder her as a young man. Yeah, move. she murdered him, <laughs> yeah. you know. So that's kind of how I feel about this case, too, is, you know, I haven't seen the documentary. So perhaps there is evidence of, like, he did some shit at the beginning of their relationship. She went through this traumatic miscarriage and then... But then that's where it stops, right? Like, if that yeah. was the whole story, I'd be like, what an asshole and move on, you know? But yeah. because she followed him uh, when he clearly didn't want her to. And then especially the fact that so many years later, she showed up to where he was with handcuffs in the trunk of her right. car. You know, that part seals it for me. I'm yeah. Like, she's definitely got some She's loose. the problem. Yeah, she's the problem. Did you also, did you just hear like a child's voice outside of this yeah. room? Yeah, I did. I thought for I'm used to hearing that because I have a baby, but it just now occurred to me that well, why should I hear that? And I'm gonna cry now. <laughs> We're supposed to be alone in this building. All right. Well, I'm just gonna keep talking because uh, <laughs> oh, that's what okay. we gotta do. So in July of 2019, Joyce was arrested in L.A. in connection with a hit and run incident that killed a 91 year old Holocaust survivor who was walking his dog in the North Hollywood neighborhood of Valley Village on Monday, June 16th at around 5:40 a.m. So again, this seals the deal for me that she's never suffered any consequences, mm -hmm. really, for any of the terrible things she's done. So she's learned that she can get away with everything. And this is no different. Now she's literally murdered someone and she thinks that she doesn't have to call 911. She doesn't have to stop and wait. Mm -hmm. Maybe the person could have survived. Um, she just leaves. The incident was captured by surveillance video from a nearby business and stills were released by the police. Locals identified the vehicle as belonging to an unidentified homeless woman who had been the subject of frequent police reports. And on the 21st of June, investigators followed a lead that the suspected vehicle was parked at the Burbank Airport. Investigators located McKinney there, who appeared to be living in the vehicle alongside her three dogs. During the investigation, detectives learned that McKinney had outstanding warrants for battery and public nuisance from an unrelated investigation. McKinney was then taken into custody for her pre-existing warrants and booked into the Valley Jail Division in Van Nuys. McKinney remained in custody on the previous warrants under a combined bail of $137,000. If convicted, she faces a max of 11 years in the state prison. But McKinney was ordered to undergo psychiatric evalu evaluation, and in July of 2019, she was sent to the L.A. Court Division for Mentally Incompetent Defendants. McKinney was taken to the Metropolitan State Hospital in Norwalk, and in February of 2020, a judge in Van Nuys ruled that she was not competent to stand trial. Her next oh, hearing was scheduled for August of 2020. 
but who knows where it's at now due to covid that is the story of joyce mckinney wow now i only have one theory and it's just a demon I, it just seems like despite an obvious bunch of bad shit she did, she just gets off easy, like you said. And, you know, she committed a sex crime and she got famous and rich because of it. She faked a passport. It barely, like, affected her. If I faked a passport, I would just be shot on the spot. <laughs> They're like, well, I'm not even going to ask questions. Instant death right. to you. And also, what the fuck was Keith May doing? Like, what was he getting out of this demon? Like, there's more to the story. I feel like there's weird sex demon shit going on here. I don't know. I don't know. And that's the theory. Well, I will say this was a wild ride. Hearing how it ended up with her being declared mentally incompetent to stand trial adds another wrinkle to the story because that's actually really hard to get someone declared mentally incompetent to stand trial. Like, you can't just fake that. You know what I mean? Right, and it seemed like she was mentally competent when she was talking. Like, she's definitely crazy. Yeah. Like, her, her like, construct of reality isn't there. But it thickens the plot because remember how she got released from jail in England due to her declining mental health? Yeah. Perhaps she's, like, you know, has some situation where she needs to be on medication and maybe she got unbalanced because it seems like she's homeless living in her car. Maybe she was like not taking her medication. Maybe she got bankrupt or whatever was happening. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, to go from spending 50 grand on a dog to living in your car. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. There's so many. It also seems like directly related. Like you spend yeah. 50 grand on a dog great and point. now you live in your car. Yeah. Great point. <laughs> great point. Where was that dog? That's what I want to Living know. with her in the car. Do you think? She said that she was living in the car with three dogs. All right. Yeah. And she hit a Holocaust survivor, which uh, you can't come back from that. No. Well, first of all, you can't come back from it, any of the things that she's done. It in was this story. so sad. Like the the interviews about the Holocaust survivor was like he was 91 and he was going to make it to 100. Like he was super healthy and he was walking his dog and she just hit him. Yeah. This is just an all around sad, crazy story. Like just when you think you know where it's headed all of the sudden uh she clones a dog and you're and like launches a dog cloning business it so was successful it's like literally groundbreaking like the first one on planet earth man yeah but i definitely see a lot of parallels between this story and the jody arias story and i haven't seen the documentary so maybe i would watch the documentary and have a different opinion mm-hmm. um but now i kind of want to watch it I wonder if the Mormons are, like, as bad as she thinks they are. Wouldn't they just kill her? No, they wouldn't because they, like, want to go to... Well, there are... uh, This is what I will say. I did recently watch part of a Netflix series about the Mormon church, particularly as it related to fake Mormon artifacts. And there were bombings associated with that that may or may not have been carried out by high-ranking officials in the Mormon church. I didn't finish the series, but... It seemed like that's the direction it was going. So as with any religion or organization, there's going to be people that are fucked up. And I think the higher up you go, the more fucked up in general you can find people, right? Like you think about crazy shit at the Vatican covering up child sex abuse. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, it's not a far stretch for me to be like, that's probably something that's happening in Mormonism too, you know, similar things. Like how far will high ranking people in any organization go to cover up? certain things not sure where i was going with this oh because you said um i wonder if they're really that fucked up it would not surprise me if people will do anything to save face for their religion but i also think that she is 
crazy crazy yeah i hate to use that word with someone who's clearly suffering from mental health stuff but she's crazy well i think the thing is again like your mental illness is not an excuse to to hurt people and to perform crimes against people right if somebody comes and like murdered you if someone if that baby voice that we heard in the hallway just now was actually a crazy man with a gun and he ran in and shot you and like he went to trial and was like but i'm crazy i'd be like yeah but that's not an excuse you still murdered someone right you get to go to jail now i would take the gun from him and kill him right and then what do we do in that situation (laughs) yeah wow i won't let that happen okay perfect that when i was going through that whole restraining order stalking situation i one day i I was pregnant so i was like emotional and i was like crying because i was so stressed out and i was telling my fiance like what if she shows up here with a gun i don't post uh videos or photos in real time of like where i am on instagram yeah because i don't want people to know where or what i'm doing at that moment but i was like so stressed out and i was like what if she like sees a photo that i took at uh my birthday or something and then like sees where we live because she like can see like the palm trees because at the time we had lived Lived somewhere near the coast and I was like and then she like understands that that's near here and right. can just come up the street and she just brings a fucking gun and like you know she like blames me for whatever the fuck is on her mind and my fiance was just like then take the gun from her and kill her and he that was like his way of calming me down but it worked and like now I'm like okay that's my plan you're that's right your plan. you know what in that he situation was like, you can either be a victim He went on some, like, crazy, like, straight man shit that, you know, like, where they're like, you can either be a victim or you can be, like, a winner. The victimizer. And (laughs) I choose the victimizer any day because I'm a man. (laughs) Yeah, that's the pep talk you get from a man. You know what? Anyways. Was he right? Yeah. If that baby tries to come in here, I'm going to. I'm going to end it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If that Chucky doll comes in here. Um, But one of the things that they teach you when you're going through active shooter training, which sadly we have to do in the U.S. as HR, I have to conduct active shooter trainings with all employees every year. Um, They teach you that it's run, hide, fight in that order. So if there is someone who is in your vicinity that is trying to cause you harm, the first thing that you do is you, if you can't escape, you do. Right. You don't take anything with you. You just fucking book it. Yeah, obviously. Okay? Second thing, if you can't run, so like if there's a crazy baby man in the hallway right, right now we and we hide. can't run, we hide. We turn yeah. off the lights. We barricade the door. We fucking hide. We hope yeah. the baby goes away. I'd hop up in that ceiling. Yes, yeah. in the asbestos filled right. ceiling. <laughs> okay, then the third thing, if the person trying to cause you harm breaches your hiding spot, you have no choice but to fight. You can't freeze. And that's right. something they teach you in those trainings with police officers and like they'll tell you like yeah. you just got to fucking fight. You got to right. grab anything you can. You look around a room, you find something Throw like those off. scissors yeah. and you just fucking go at it. You take so, out all your rage. Right. So your fiance wasn't wrong. I right. think in that scenario, that's what you're supposed to do. Run, hide, fight, guys. So what? Well, so do you have a, a sign off for us? Man. Um, BRB gotta go become the most mediocre of white women so that I will face no consequences for the crimes I may or may not have committed. Oh. oh. Bye. Bye.